Welcome to Rotating Reels. I am one of your hosts, Taylor May. With me is Keegan Tran with a smirk on his face. Keegan? Kumandra forever. <laughs> and Hank Showalter is our other host. How you doing, Hank? Good. I also watched the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this week we are reviewing Raya. Is it Raya or Raya? It's Raya, right? It's Raya. Raya. Yeah. yeah. Raya and the Last Dragon. Spoiler, there's a bunch of dragons. Um before, oh. before, we, before we get into that, let's go over what we've been watching this week. Keegan, what'd you watch this week? Oh my god. I think this is probably the lightest week I've ever had. Um, I had a final on Sunday, so I did very, very little watching. And now that I'm on break, you can expect a very long what I've been watching next week. Uh, but for this week, what did I watch? I watched Minari which is up for a couple Oscars. It's beginning a lot of buzz. Big Steven Yeun movie. Uh, it's about a, a family of Korean immigrants uh, that moved to rural Arkansas to try to start a farm um, and grow Korean vegetables. It's very, very good. It's one of the few A24 movies that I do really enjoy. Um, I think there's some, some issues I have that are later in the movie, but things that I can't talk about without getting to spoilers. Overall, really happy we're getting this big wave of Asian American filmmaking uh, coming in. I think Hollywood lags on a lot of these things. So once there was a lot of demand for Crazy Rich Asians, it took a couple years for the, the market for Asian American films to catch up. But I'm happy to see Raya and Minari and these, these big movies coming through. Uh, and I don't think I watched anything else. So I guess I'll give a plug to the new series of X-Men that started in 2019 in the comics. So people that have been listening know that I've been trying to get more into reading comic books. It's not something that I've really done before. Uh, they're very silly. It's very difficult to keep up with different releases and what's in certain continuities. Uh, and this new X-Men is definitely not free of that, but uh, it got relaunched in 2019. And I think it is really, really interesting storytelling kind of sucks that you're reading six concurrent series at once um only three of them are really good but man the stories that are told in those three series are really 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 cool so if anyone is in kind of the comic book market looking for something new to read i don't think it's anything new to hear uh jonathan hickman's new run of x-men is really good i'm already confused you said what well, so you're reading how you read how many comics at the same time and then there's multiple storylines so, oh my god so basically, there's this kickoff event called House of X and Powers of X. It's basically, I mean, once you get into X-Men, it's all just time-traveling stories. So the idea is there's this huge kickoff event, earth-shattering things happen at the end of it, um, and then it kicks off into a bunch of series. X-Men's such a big like uh, ensemble kind of piece that you have so many mutants that people know by now. And so they like, they basically have like 50 mutants that they break off into different subgroups. Mm, and like, okay. here's, you know, here's Cyclops and his family and Jean Grey. And then over here you have like the more gritty Logan story. Then over here you have like the new mutants take on this new stuff and it's more teeny boppery and the artwork's more fun and, and floral and like lighthearted. Um, that one's not very good in my opinion. <laughs> teeny boppery. <laughs> yeah, that's what but, I've heard about it too. <laughs> The Logan stuff is really good, so okay, yeah, all right. I'll check it out. I, I would continue to check it out and, and encourage people to do so. Cool, cool. Uh, Hank, what would you get up to this week? Yeah, so um, I finally guilted my girlfriend into watching more stuff with me so I can stop saying <laughs> I've been having a light watch. Um, and I feel a little bit bad about the fact that I had to guilt her into it, but it means that I haven't had a light watch week. 
um, this week. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, I've, I've watched a few things this week, which I'm really glad to say. Uh, so first of all, I mentioned a couple weeks ago or a week ago that I'd started this like reality competition show called Forged in Fire. It's, uh, I think it's aired on the History Channel, but I watch it on Netflix because I'm not a barbarian and I don't watch TV uh, on, on the TV anymore. Um, so anyway, though, I've continued to watch that. There's just a ton of content out in the series, and every episode is like a new group of contestants. So it's like, I don't know, like you can watch an episode standalone, and that makes it really nice. But I've been really kind of surprised by this series, and there's a reason I'm taking so much time to talk about it, which is that, you know, I've, I've watched a lot of competition shows. You know, I, I, I'm a longtime Survivor watcher. I've seen a little bit of Big Brother, um, not, not because I chose to watch it, but because when I was in high school, some college girls lived at my house. Um, <laughs> I've seen, like, a little bit of The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, The Bachelor in Paradise. Uh, I've seen all of, like, Master Chef, uh, you know, Cake Boss, stuff like that. I've seen a lot of different types of uh, reality TV shows, uh, or, or specifically competition-based reality TV shows. And Forged in Fire... I started watching it just because I was like, I want to turn this on and then turn my brain off, just like go away while it's playing, you know? Mm. Um, and it surprised me by being hands down the best competition TV show I've ever seen. Um, and, and not everyone will agree with me. It's, it's a little bit of a matter of subjectivity, but the show is really cool because the judging is entirely like skill and knowledge based there's really no subjectivity to it it's like they before the competitions they give all of the participants you know very distinct parameters they're like okay here's what your blade needs to look like here's how the construction needs to be done and here is what we're going to require it to do at the end of it you know there's no like oh i hope they know it needs to do this they know it needs to do that they just need to make it capable of doing it so anyway it's it's very like strictly laid out they they follow the rules very strictly and it makes it um just kind of satisfying because like if you watch like great british baking show or, or something like that you know sometimes they're like oh we don't know if the contestant will know that this dish is supposed to have this texture there's none of that here you know the contestant knows it's got to be there they just need to have the skill and the knowledge to take it there um, which I, I kind of like. I, I, I like, you know, like having everyone kind of working within the same understanding of the challenge. Um, and then also, there's just no contestant drama in the show. You know, like the, 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 the show is very much a competition to see who is doing the best steel forging. And <laughs> it's, you know, like, you, you, you know, if you're not there for that, if you're there for contestant drama, it's not going to be satisfying to you. But for so me, is... you know, like... I watch it and I'm like, I want to see some good swords. I want to see them cut some <laughs> shit up. Um, that's all I'm here for. And that's what they deliver. And they deliver it in just like this really awesome, just very like objective and skill-based way. And I love it. Uh, for, for someone like me that doesn't have a lot of time for contestant drama, um, it's like the perfect reality competition show. Absolutely would recommend Forged in Fire. Um, so did you, anyway, did you have a, a love of blacksmithing before you watched it? Like, do you think that's a requirement to watch the show since there's not that drama? Well, that's actually kind of the crazy thing. I didn't. I didn't have a love of blacksmithing. I didn't know. I didn't know jack about blacksmithing. <laughs> um, you know, like I've I've like seen like a lot of fantasy movies and read a lot of fantasy books. You know, I I've seen a lot of swords. 
Um, but they're not like realistic swords. They're not what they're making here. You know, here they make real historical weapons um, and they test them out in uh, potentially unhistorical ways, but still like, you know, like real, real potential use cases. But anyway, it's uh, I didn't have a love of blacksmithing going in. I didn't know anything about it. And the show's actually really taught me a lot about like the forging process. Like I feel like I have a grasp on like certain different like techniques for forging steel, as well as uh, kind of like what the prerequisites are for certain use cases of various blades um so overall just impressed in a way that i really didn't expect or even hope to be by this show you know i walked in being like i'm going to turn my brain off i'm not going to pay attention i'm just throwing it on because this is something i cannot feel bad about ignoring um and uh yeah it's just it's, it's kind of blown me away like I, don't get me wrong like it's it's kind of trashy you know it's like a competition show it's about like like you know a bunch of burly men swinging swords at things like like it's it is everything it says it will be it's just a pleasant surprise like how well they've done it um nice. yeah, anyway would absolutely recommend it but that's not all i've been watching this week though i did watch a lot of it um in addition to that i watched a few movies this week um so first up uh was obviously raya and the last dragon we're going to talk about that later so i won't talk about it here (laughs) but after that um i'm a really big fan of robert eggers the witch um i saw it the night that it released uh in theaters and then i bought it on dvd and i've seen it you know probably five or six more times i've seen the witch a lot um but my my girlfriend had never seen the witch and this week i i I finally convinced her to watch it with me i I mean i think she's been convinced for a while but we've never like made the time to watch it we finally made the time to watch it together and uh on this like seventh or eighth or whatever the heck uh rewatch of the witch still really holds up i really love the witch um you know it's uh the use of language in the film is kind of fascinating to me it's written a lot in like this like really like period accurate like puritan english dialect um it's shot uh in like a, a pretty visually satisfying way to me like it's not as colorful as a lot of other movies that i like for that reason but i think the shots are really kind of stark and compelling um the acting's all there and uh the story is you know something you can follow all the way through there's not like a ton of ambiguity to it but i think it succeeds for that you know i think i think the the movie really tells the story it wants to tell it conveys what it's trying to convey overall really like the witch watched it again this week still really like the witch um, I've never seen it, Hank. I've been like hearing about it forever, what? and I've never seen it. Yeah. All right. When when all this is over, we're gonna have another Cosmo night. Um, you and me are gonna, you know, make a big pitcher of drinks. We're gonna watch The Witch. Like I said, I have it on DVD. We'll watch all the special features too. They're great. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm down. But uh, anyway, watch The Witch, and then on. Uh, uh, there was a new movie that came out uh, just this week or the, the week before, perhaps, on Netflix. Another kind of horror, horror-adjacent movie called The Block Island Sound. Um, it's kind of an independent horror movie. It comes from a pair of directors. I think they're the McManus brothers. They they produced, or, or they directed uh, American Vandal, I think, which is uh, a series oh, that I've seen some some talk about recently, though I haven't seen it myself. But anyway, saw a little bit of buzz online about this movie, The Block Island Sound, and decided to give it a watch uh, without having, um, you know, read too much about it because you know it's a horror movie. You don't want to read too much going in, and 
you know, it, it was all right. Um, yeah, I can't give it as glowing a review as I gave Forged in Fire or The Witch. Um, but, you know, it was clearly a movie made with some passion behind it. The acting was good. The direction was good. I thought that, I thought the cinematography was compelling. Um, but I, I thought where, where for me the, the movie failed was that the plot kind of played with a number of things without really committing to them in my eyes. And so, uh, you know, it kind of built stuff up up without giving me a really satisfying payoff so i'm I'm not you know if you're a horror fan i would recommend the block island sound you know it's it's an absolutely passable horror movie it's it's well produced if you're not a horror fan i think there are other horror movies you should watch first um but overall you know it was it was a fun hour and 40 minutes uh saturday evening so i enjoyed that and then you gotta check out that first season american vandal season one is really good i haven't seen the second season but it's it it gets better with time because it's like i think we're all so familiar with these like cut and paste crime documentaries talking head picture of a family cut to a photo negative of it it's a very very formulaic kind of like a cookie cutter genre at this point and it is just like this scathing satire of that formula. So I would I would highly recommend that. Super funny. Oh, that actually sounds really... I actually don't know that much about American Vandal. Um, like, I, I just... I recognize okay. the name. So that sounds appealing to me. I'm, I I think that's also something that I could very easily get Haley to check out. So I'm going to go check that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds up my alley. So thanks for the plug. The there. premise is... It's a bunch of high school teachers and all of the faculty cars get dicks spray painted all over them. <laughs> it's the chase for who is the dick painter. <laughs> but oh. they treat it with the seriousness of trying to find the Zodiac killer. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I mean, school. I think that's about the best plug you could have given it. Um, it's Yeah, it's great. But uh, anyway, yeah, that was that was the last movie that I watched this week, The Block Island Sound. It's on Netflix if you want to look it up. Like I said, my horror diehards, you'll enjoy it. If you're not a horror diehard, uh, you can probably give this one a pass. Um, but uh, coming up this next week, uh, I, I have a couple more horror movies in mind that I think that I can probably fit in. So I'm hoping to have a couple more movies uh, in my what I've been watching next week. Um, and then, as always, uh, been watching the new episode of Bob's Burgers that came out this week. I loved it. I love Bob's Burgers. Um, honestly, I don't think there's ever anything that H. John Benjamin will be in that I won't love. Um, you know, he, uh, you know, he could do anything, and I'd still want to want to listen to his voice. It's really entertaining. Um, so Bob's Burgers is great. And uh, besides that, you know, just. Uh, been been reading a bit been playing some video games i'm still working through the yakuza series uh like we said when i started it at some point there will be a seven hour episode of me just uh dissecting the 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 games from yakuza zero to yakuza seven so keep your eyes out for that and that's my week and what i've been watching oh man you had a you had a busy week i'm glad i, I always look forward to a busy hank what i've been oh, yeah, watching week I, I had a light week like Keegan. My, my partner's also in finals week, so didn't have a lot of time for stuff. Um, I finished Murder Among the Mormons. That was pretty good. And then otherwise, just watched a lot of Rick Steves. Uh, I love I love Rick Steves. I love that he's, uh, he's able to take super um, heated or contentious topics and then present them with this smile. Like he could say... And then they murdered everyone gruesomely. But the people here don't remember that. Or like, like he just totally 
brushes over things in a way that like acknowledges them but doesn't dive into it at all and it's really accessible so i love love rick steves and he's from seattle and uh or the greater seattle area and was a big funder for our um referendum that legalized marijuana so big big props to mm -hmm. uh to rick steves and then i also started a new series um well i don't know about started because there's like 280 episodes but began watching a new series um for me called time team it's uh it's set in england it's a it's a i guess kind of a documentary but it's um a bunch of real archaeologists and they go to just different sites you know like a farmer found a huge bunch of roman coins so they go to like check out his field and they're all like legit archaeologists from universities and stuff and they get like ground radar and then there's this one guy who's really particular looking i'm not i don't want to i don't want to spoil it in case anybody wants to go watch but he's a character and this guy he'll they'll dig like maybe three inches down in the dirt they'll just like with a bulldozer sweep off like a I don't know, like a, a two meter square section of dirt only down a couple inches. And he's like, oh, there's some uh, iron, there are some uh, bronze age stuff here. I can just tell. It's like the color of the dirt. He just knows. So he's my character. He, I'd love him the most. He is really grating. He, I can't understand half of what he says. He seems like he's <laughs> drunk all the time. His fingernails are way too long for someone that works in dirt, but he just looks at dirt and knows exactly what's going on. So watched a couple of those. Um, and that was it just those three things so super light week for me yeah so it sounds like uh the both of you are going to have to do better next week <laughs> <laughs> though i have to say um send me a link to what you've been watching taylor you, you know i i uh i go in for that archaeology that archaeology shit so oh yeah i'll, I'll send you yeah. they have it on youtube it's been going for like 20 years they just stopped but um, it became the largest source of funding for archaeology in the UK when it was going. And they have three days, so every, wow. every episode is the entire dig. And they usually like join a local archaeologist with the implication that once everybody else leaves, this guy is just going to come back on his like, you know, holidays and stuff and do his digging there. So it's, it's pretty cool. And they're, they're so nerdy, and they try to like they, – they have this uh, – He's like a comedian who's the host and doesn't know shit about archaeology. And so he's always giving them shit because they'll say like, hey, we think we're going to look around here maybe. And he goes, that doesn't sound very scientific. And they're like, well, I don't know. And he goes, you're a professor at Oxford. And he's like, well, that's not how archaeology works, blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's a hoot. <laughs> Between that and the dig, are you are you the archaeology guy on the podcast now? <laughs> I get. I think it's Hank probably more than me. At least Hank reads all the contemporaneous literature. So, <laughs> yeah, I just don't talk about it on the podcast. I'm trying to I'm trying to keep my nerdiness, you know, under wraps. He's not insecure about it like you, Taylor. Okay? <laughs> His intelligence speaks for itself. <laughs> yeah, you can text Hank and be like, Hank, what was going on with the Welsh people in the 11th century? And he's like, oh, man, a lot. Here, let me, where do I start? <laughs> uh, well, are you guys, you guys ready to talk about Raya and, the, and them dragons? Oh, God, I've, I've been waiting yeah. a week. Who wants to start us off? So Keegan, you and it's a it's a a week, so it's a new release, not really a recommended movie, but you were the one that yep. kind of chose it. So do you want to kind of start us off with your first thoughts? Yeah. Oh man, this I know I always get flack for this. So just a, I I build the schedule, but I I do always explicitly give the other guys the option <laughs> to throw out other things. I make it it feels like I'm commandeering all the a weeks uh which i swear is not always the case it's but you're in touch, you're in touch with the people keegan 
I was saying, in Keegan's defense, I uh, I fully supported the pick of Raya. Uh, you know, I, I don't watch a lot of these Pixar movies or these Disney movies. Like, I haven't seen Frozen or Frozen 2 or or Tangled. I, I, I don't know what the latest ones have been, but I, I, I don't normally see them. So I was like, we got to get one in. You know, I, I, I got to see at least one of them. I got I to gotta stay up to date with the kids, you know. Yeah. So I and you yeah. got you know support Southeast Asians. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> also support Southeast Asians. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Especially yeah, Southeast right Asian last kids. That's a key demographic for our listenership. So. Well, you know, it's all it's all the viewers that I bring in mostly <laughs> Southeast Asian children. <laughs> yeah. No. Cool. So Ryan the Last Dragon. Yeah, it's the latest Pixar Disney movie. Uh, just came out and it's on Disney Plus. I believe that this is also showing in theaters as theaters begin to open up. Again, I can't tell anyone to safely go see anything in theaters right now, but I think this is one that would have been uh, really nice to see on a big screen, maybe even like IMAX or uh, what's the other? Is it Dolby? Uh, but anyways, super beautiful movie. Um, I'll read the IMDb blurb in a realm known as Kumandra, a reimagined Earth inhabited by an ancient civilization. A warrior named Raya is determined to find the last dragon. Um, so it's a big, big movie, very expensive looking. Uh, and it stars Kelly Marie Tran, who a lot of people probably will know from the Star Wars franchise as Rose Tico, and who was also uh, pretty harassed by a lot of Star Wars fans. And I know she was treated pretty poorly by the Star Wars fandom. So I was really happy to see her get a pretty big project and something that was like supposedly pretty, pretty meaningful for her as a Vietnamese person. So I was really excited to watch this movie. Uh, I guess I gave the intro. Hank, do you want to kick off with your early pre-spoiler thoughts? Yeah, so... God, I have, I have a lot of thoughts about this movie. So, uh, <laughs> you know, like, first of all, I, I don't watch a lot of movies kind of in this this genre, this, like, children's animated flick genre. Um, so I didn't really know what to expect going in. I think, like, the last big, like, Disney Pixar movie, I don't even know if it was made by Disney Pixar, but the last one I saw was, like, Finding Dory. Um, and then before that was probably The Incredibles or Finding Nemo. Like, I, I just, I, I, I don't watch a lot of these movies. I, and I didn't when I was a kid even. You know, I remember being in, like, the third grade and getting the option to go to the movies and being like, yeah, I want to see one of the Mission Impossible movies. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I really didn't know exactly what I, like, I knew roughly what I was getting into. I knew I'd, I knew it would be cute. I knew there would be, like, a strong element of adventure adventure but uh you know those are broad strokes you know like tonally i had kind of an idea of what i was getting into and so i think i was actually kind of surprised by how much i enjoyed it um which i feel is like a hank calling card on this podcast now i'm like yeah i went in expecting to hate it and i enjoyed it but um (laughs) no i was surprised by how much i enjoyed it because you know, obviously, it's it's probably not a movie that's going to be, like, in my top ten. It's not a horror movie. It doesn't have, you know, like, a ton of suffering or misery. So, you know, <laughs> it's not going to make it into my, uh, you know, my all-time favorites. But, you know, there, there were some fun jokes in it. There's, like, a little bit of a you know kind of uh you know like some humor poked at the ad- or, or uh, pointed at the adults in the audience um there's a strong sense of adventure like i said which does entertain me even though i don't see it all that often in the films i choose to watch so overall i really enjoyed it 
Um, I thought the animation was really well done. I mean, I, obviously, you know, it's Disney Pixar. They know their animation. You know, they, they, they've been doing it forever. They're not going to let the, the quality dip now. But the animation looked great. You know, it was fluid. The characters moving was awesome. The character artwork they did was awesome. Everyone looked distinct. Um, but the technology, too, was really impressive. You know, seeing things like the water flowing and stuff like that. Um, overall, animation pretty much blew me away in the movie. So, uh, you know, there, there are things that uh, I don't think... I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those things, like, I wouldn't have made this movie, you know? Like, I would have made a different movie. <laughs> but there, I didn't find a lot that I could really fault within the movie, and I did enjoy what I saw. So overall, positive first impressions. Though one thing I do want to call out, and this isn't a positive or a negative... Um, but I kind of want to see if my co-hosts got any sense of this. Um, and they might not have, because I don't know if they play as, mu- as many video games as I do. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I've I played a lot of video games. I'm a big video gamer. Um, and most specifically, uh, you know, in the past few years, I played The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I played a game called Immortals Phoenix Rising. And this movie, to me, while I was watching it, felt like it was made for a video game adaptation. Like, they brought up the map in the beginning, and they put all the checkpoints on it. And I'm like, okay, that's the Ubisoft open world formula. And, you know, they had her, like, moving between, like, different cities. And I was like, yeah, those are, like, the the hub cities that you move between in Zelda. Um, And they had all the people turned to stone. And I was like, yeah, that's right out of Immortals Phoenix Rising. So while I was watching the movie... And again, you know, not a positive or negative thing. It didn't really enhance or detract from my enjoyment of the film. But I got the overwhelming sense that this movie was almost just kind of a video game that they'd taken like the highlights from and put onto the big screen. So anyway, overall positive thoughts, you know, not really my type of movie. It's a children's movie. I'm a horror guy. But uh, I think it was really well made. I think it was enjoyable to watch. But I also got the overwhelming sense that this was a video game for the big screen. Um and those are my thoughts. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. There. I mean, there is. You. You could take a. You can always take a, a cynical look at Disney, right? Like, I'm sure they've already announced they're making a video game out of this. Like, I'm sure that was part of the discussion at a, at a very early stage. Um, but I also don't fault them for that. That's what they're in the business of doing. Um, but yeah, I definitely get exactly what you're saying. The the whole time, there are all these little things that seemed like they weren't crucial to the story at all, but I mean, there's, you know, in any one of these um, animated Disney kind of kids movies, there's always stuff where you just like the uh, her her mount voiced by the lovely Alan um, Tudyk was a real standout for me. But immediately you're like, OK, so that's the plushie that's they're going to be selling a bunch of those <laughs> like right off the bat. Yep. In fact, if you're a, if you're a parent listening to us and you're going to watch the movie with your kids, just order the plushie ahead of time. They're already going to want it. You don't even need to see if they like the movie. They're going to. It's designed for them. So, yeah, I think I think this movie needs like a reverse rating scale. Like no one over the age of 13 should really watch this movie because it's definitely for I know Keegan's shaking his head. It's a it's like a firm kids Bad movie. Take. It's a firm kids movie, but you know, you you really gotta suspend disbelief constantly the the entire time. Like all the plot devices are contrived. I mean, I don't know. I I liked it as a kids movie. As a kids movie, if you're like you got like some six or seven year olds underfoot, this is gonna keep them entertained for two hours. It's great. They're gonna love it. It's a masterpiece for kids. But anyone, you know, even teenagers, it's like 
not a lot of stuff doesn't really make sense and it's okay because everything's cute and amazing looking and yeah so that was, that was that was kind of my take was that i don't see a lot of movies like this but i am i am happy you recommended it again like it, i every time i hear someone way younger than me talk about frozen i'm like i feel like i should at least watch that to have any semblance of an idea of what they're talking about so i'm glad i watched it but yeah not not in my usual repertoire of movies just because i mean just the lack of physics i don't even i don't even want to get in i don't even really want to get into it like it's, is it is it beneficial for me to critique it in that way i don't know so that, that was yeah. kind of my thought fair enough yeah so i get one of the limitations of us being a podcast is that anyone listening they can't see us i think there's like a lot of a lot that goes on between us shooting glances at the at the web link and what people might not know is that you know hank he has a full beard taylor is like 38 years old <laughs> I think there's just a lot of like life that's been sucked out of these two that makes them just incapable of enjoying things that are lighthearted or that don't have really scary chest vaginas. And I just think there's there's this joyousness of childhood that is kind of absent from the two of them that, you know, I think I retain a little bit more of. Hank's younger uh, than so you. What are that, you talking about? I, you know, you wouldn't know if you saw the two of us. I'm like a foot shorter, clean shaven. <laughs> You'd never know. Um, but no, yeah, I think I'm definitely most oriented towards liking uh, these kinds of Pixar movies. I watched a lot of Disney and Pixar as a kid. I went through a phase in like high school and college where I started watching like more adult animation, lots of different like pretty graphic anime movies or just a lot of like Japanese stuff in general that's maybe a little like less oriented towards that that crowd of, of Disney. Um, but once I started you know, dating my girlfriend and she's really into kids movies, it's something that's very agreeable. It's, it's like a place where we can kind of meet in the middle. We always joke how like of all the streaming services, Disney Plus is usually where we can find something that's kind of within both of our realms. So I, I do watch a lot of these Pixar movies on repeat, just kind of as background movies. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I did really like this movie. It's really nice as, uh, you know, as another Southeast Asian woman to see another Southeast Asian woman on the big screen. Uh, and it's, you know, it's as as they've said the technology behind these pixar movies is absolutely amazing i think you almost start to reach this phase of like uncanny valley like there's a shot where they're looking at waves crashing against the side of a cliff and i'm like this literally could be 4k hdr shot yeah. off the coast of like any you know any any coast line and it could just be a real footage and you, you could completely convince me that that's real life and there's shots i know that they win a lot of awards for their hair technology and you can literally see when when they meet the dragon and it's raining and you can see little clumps of hair on her neck or something clumping up when raindrops hit it i mean it's is absolutely amazing how far these movies have come i think the story does get a little muddled um, there's not a lot of you know complicated things there so that kids can kind of roll with the punches and enjoy it for the visual aspects that it brings but overall it's it's really fun and i think the premise is kind of like what if you made indiana jones and replaced him with a southeast asian teenage girl uh and you even get the scene where a boulder chases her at one point mm -hmm. so you know if you think you'd like indiana jones as a kid's movie it's it's a really easy recommendation so i enjoyed it a on lot the, on the uncanny valley front that was something that i actually it distracted me was was how much the uh animated characters resembled their voice actors and i'm sure they did that i'm sure they did yeah. that on purpose i don't know if they did like motion capture stuff or not but 
it was it was even even tuck tuck even the like armadillo thing they tried to make his face look kind of like alan tudyk's face so that but it kind of distracted from me partly because like aquafina um who is the voice yes. actress for the dragon it it looked it looked so much like her in real life it was pretty distracting in a, in a weird way which by the way also i didn't know who aquafina was before this movie and at first oh my goodness yeah well i i, I recognized her from um from i must have been crazy with Asians i saw her in but yeah. um but, but i thought her name was spelled like aquafina the water and i was like did they did, did they make the dragon a water dragon because of her name but then i then i then i figured it out it was a little slow on the uptake there now speaking of like distractingly realistic characters i literally turned to my girlfriend during it and i was like dude raya's dad has no business being this freaking hot in a kids movie because he's just it's just daniel day kim with a man bun it's it's ludicrous yeah you too i mean you know it, it, not my my not not my type of guy, but Haley turned to me two or three times throughout the movie and said, like, what a dilf. <laughs> <laughs> it's distractingly hot. Uh, but so the, the story stuff didn't really bother you, Keegan. That's what that's what I'm getting. Um, I mean, there's some stuff that we can get into in spoilers. Like, this is not a huge spoiler, but the, the big theme of this movie is that people are worthy of second chances and that we should always look to see the best in people, despite the fact that they have done us wrong in the past. And I mean, I, I don't want to go on a huge tangent. I know I texted you guys a bunch about this before we watched the movie, but man, it was really disappointing reading some early reviews for this and seeing every two-bit brain-dead reviewer and even a lot of film critics that i really like kind of taking the easy road and being like this is a great allegory for the time that we are in and you know it's a nice message for a kids movie but i am so liberal and i don't like trump supporters so i can't contextualize this into my real life and it's just such a low-hanging obnoxious fruit it's such a bad way to look at this movie i mean these these pixar movies take like four or five years in production so this is clearly not made with any kind of modern events in mind, at least as far as I know. Uh, but I think it just detracts from the movie a lot. But I, I, tangent aside, I think the story elements and some of the things later in it are not the most convincing and maybe don't necessarily send the best message to kids. I think, you know, there's a healthy amount of distrust that you can have in certain people if they've done things wrong to you in the past. And uh, I don't know if it's always right to always accept everybody for all their decisions, but that's kind of the nuance that the Pixar movie isn't going to take the time to really delve into. Otherwise, it didn't really bother yeah, me. Yeah, I, you know, I I kind of read some of those reviews too after I watched it, and I also did not see what they were getting at at all. Like, I don't think it had anything to do with you know, in as much as big concepts like trust are always relevant. Yeah. I, this was not at all about the particular issue we're in. And even, you know, I was going into it ready to, there's been a lot of criticism of Disney and their kind of cash grab with Chinese audiences, especially the, the Mulan remake that mm -hmm. was a dumpster fire. Um, and so I was kind of, you know, ready that they might do that same sort of thing here, but I, I didn't think so at all. I, I, I think they're, yeah, plenty yeah. of plenty of stuff Disney's done where you can't that criticism is valid, but I don't think in this one at all. I thought it was a great way to just kind of, you know, set a, a pretty nor a pretty um, run of the mill kids story in Southeast Asia in a general sense, right? It wasn't even in a particular you know place. So I didn't have any problem yeah. with any of the cultural stuff, any of the um, relevance with today. But the beginning was 
convoluted the the story i know you said it was kind of simple for kids but that beginning story we i mean maybe this is something we should save for spoilers but uh, a lot of key items and things are jumping in possession between different people but it's like they all start with one people and they go to other people and that we're you know we jump 500 years then we jump six years and there's just a lot of stuff happening in the first 10 15 yeah. minutes uh, that was pretty confusing for me and i would imagine very confusing for you know the kids audience I mean, kids don't give a shit. They have their dragon plushie. They're just, you know, watching along and eating Cheerios. <laughs> I think all that stuff just goes straight over their little heads. But I, I agree that it's a lot of exposition right up front. That's I was like, because I had questions about that too later. I was like, what are, I don't know the rules of this because it seems like this curse works one way and then at the end, it works a different way. <laughs> yeah, they, they spent a lot of time in the beginning just kind of going like exposition, here's the world. And, you know, I can get into that. I've, I've played a decent amount of Dungeons and Dragons. You know, I've been guilty of doing <laughs> that myself. But, uh, you know, at some point, you know, I was like, why do this much exposition if you're going to kind of change the rules later down the yeah, road? Exactly. I don't want to go into too much more detail, but... Uh, you know, I would have been fine with the exposition, but I, I felt like that uh, what they did later in the movie uh, didn't necessarily jive with, with my picture of what exposition should be for. Um, I don't want to get into too much detail there, but I, I think that uh, I kind of agree with Taylor on this one. You know, just kind of like, why? It's confusing. It's not helping anyone. And it yeah. remains confusing and unhelpful. <laughs> yeah, the whole... the. the... <laughs> a lot of like the fundamental things about that world we never really got explained and uh, you know i know it's a kids movie but i think kids can understand you know physics like i i think i think there is some grasp of reality that kids are capable of and i don't think there's their what is the physics be. part that really bothers you i think you keep really coming back to the physics is there a certain scene <laughs> that really put you there off? was there was one um it was it must have been in the beginning. It was a fight scene, um, and the action I actually really did not like in the movie. That was that was one of the few really? times. Yeah, I because there's a scene where she gets you know every character is going to get hit in the face like a million times and no damage, no, no consequences at all, right? Mm -hmm. But there's one scene where she's the characters all in the fight scenes look kind of floaty to me. They look like a little too hmm. disconnected from the ground, a little too bouncy, and so one of the characters I don't even know who it was. She gets hit, she falls down, and when she lands on the ground her legs she kind of like does like a scorpion right like her legs and head kind of like almost bounce up to like meet each other and it's like it wasn't a main character it was sort of like in the background but it, it just looked like she fell on the floor of a bouncy house and then her body folded because she had no spine and then she jumped back on her feet and was fighting again and i was like is gumby here like what why why we do, do kids really have to like have violence be so meaningless for them that, that they need this character to be able to do that i don't know yeah, I, I will yeah. say in, in a little bit of response to that, that, uh, you know, I, I, I'm used to very impactful violence in my movies. You know, I, th I think we've, we've beaten it into the ground at this point. I'm the horror guy, so, you know, I, like, I'm used to the, the midsummer hammer crushing the head kind of thing. <laughs> um, oh, come on. So, you know, like, I'm used to the violence being violent. And uh, I went into this movie being like, the violence is not going to be violent, you know? Yeah. Um, so for me, I was never expecting the violence to be anywhere near realistic. And, uh, and watching through it, I was a little bit 
oh god, I, I feel like I've set this up the wrong way, but I was a little bit impressed with how much action they included, given my assumption that it was not going to be impactful. Um, you, you know, uh, you know, they included a lot of action sequences, which is a very deliberate choice when you're, you know, making a movie that's not going to have there be strong, uh, you know, consequences of that action. Like, no one's going to get stabbed. You're, you're very rarely going to have a very important character just, like, get their head lopped off or something. So they included the action sequences. They were totally unrealistic. I agree with you there. You know, watching them, especially after watching Forged in Fire, where their swords snapping in <laughs> half and, like, they're chopping through pig carcasses. I was watching and I was like, that's not how that works. Yeah. Um, you know, like horribly unrealistic but at the same time there was a big part of me that was just kind of gratified that i was watching this kid's movie and i got some action in it you know like i was able to just uh you know kind of like i was able to suspend my disbelief because i came in there expecting to suspend my interest and i didn't really have to do that um and so like you know in in kind of like the, the space after that you know like having to suspend my my disbelief for the violence I was ready to do it. I was like, you know what? I'm just glad they're having a sword fight. Um, so like, just it's super unrealistic, it, yeah. but I, did, I didn't expect anyone to get stabbed anyway. So <laughs> super unrealistic, but I thought it was still fun to watch. Well, let's get into spoilers, and then we can kind of discuss some of these things in a little a little bit more detail. So if uh, if you're you know a kid listening to the podcast, and uh, you're going to be watching Raya anytime <laughs> soon... Well, first off, you probably shouldn't be listening to the podcast, uh, but... <laughs> Now, definitely don't listen because it's spoiler time. So, Keegan, you got you got a spoiler comment you wanna you wanna forward here? Uh, okay. There's not a whole lot that happens at the tail end that is gonna be like world shattering or ruin your enjoyment of this movie. If you know, I think you you probably from the onset of the movie know that at some point the dragons are going to return right this is not the only dragon we're going to have for the rest of time and you know raya's super hot dilf dad is not going to be frozen in time forever right he's going to come back and we're gonna we're gonna get a nice close-up of their hug and pretend that we were her and then we <laughs> hug Dan and, Kim and <laughs> put ourselves in her shoe for a minute but uh yeah no overall i think the resolution of it gets a little muddled uh i think this theme of like constant forgiveness is almost to the point of like recommending kids be unhealthy unhealthily trustworthy because by the time we get to the end and we have to trust this like i mean she's made out to be like a rival character she's you can think of her as like the zuko where she's kind of like an anti-hero and she changes sides at the end spoilers if you haven't seen all of Avatar, The Last Airbender, but you have no excuse. She's set if up you as seen all of Avatar, The Last Airbender. It's twenty twenty one. Get with the times. Thirteen years old, right? I mean, it's, it's a cultural staple. <laughs> I, I've I've not so I've I mean, seen it. And we are ending this call right now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, she basically the the whole framing device of the movie is that this this girl who's kind of like a rival princess to Raya fucks everything up, and she you know tries to steal this orb that breaks and all of the dragons i, I don't really know what happens these these crazy like purple monsters come out the of the drones. ground and these 
the Druze, which are amazingly animated, first of all. Yeah. But So that's the first mess up we see from this girl. And then later she says that she's going to help them out. And then she ends up shooting and killing the I final know. dragon. And so we're like, okay, fuck this girl. Like she twice says we can trust her. And then she twice fucks up the entire universe. And the undercut's done. Right? That's way out of style now. So. Well, I think they probably started right when Game of Thrones had Natalie Dormer do that. Oh, uh, Natalie like, This Dormer. is gonna be cool for Ooh. years. <laughs> this is the Tudors. Like, this is oh, not gonna goodness. be a fad. <laughs> I haven't seen Tudors. <laughs> but anyways, we get towards the end. I swear to God, I'll get through this. At the very end, we have to place all of our trust in this character. It's like the third time. Obviously, she's going to come around, but the idea is that, like, no matter how many times you turn, we, you know, you mess things up, we, there's good in you yet. And I just, I sided with Riot. I'm like, I mean, call me a cynic, but I, I really don't see a lot of reason to put the fate of this world in this girl's hand after she's messed it up twice. So I, I didn't really like that aspect of it. I think overall, the themes of trusting other people is really nice, but ugh, it, it felt a little gross to have to pretend like this girl was eventually going to change sides. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, even as someone that was like suspending my disbelief for the movie, knew it was a kid's movie, blah, blah, blah. You know, I uh, I was fine with the theme of like, you know, trust others. People make mistakes. I'm like, yeah, people make mistakes. I've made mistakes. Yeah. Everyone on this call has made mistakes. I'm sure everyone listening to the podcast hasn't has made mistakes. If if you say you haven't, you're a liar. Um, so you know, like, I I could get with that that theme. I had no problem with it. But I felt like the actual plot movements of the movie did not support it at all. Because the movie opens on this girl literally ruining the entire world by betraying Raya's trust. Condemned everyone to death. Yeah. Yeah, like, condemned everyone to death, or at least indefinite, like, uh, what you call it, turn to stoneness, petrification. Um, So, you know, like, the first thing she does is horrible. And, like, you know, maybe we can forgive her once after that. You know, I personally wouldn't. You know, I'm I'm personally of the opinion, you know, if you ruin the world once, pretty much (laughs) anyone has a good excuse to kill you. You know, like, 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 I would say the same thing, like, in real life. If someone sent the world into nuclear winter, like, I wouldn't have that much problem with someone killing them. Yeah. Just like, um, you know, so, you know, like, I was personally okay with killing her after that first fuck up. But I was like, it's a kid's movie. She was a kid at the time, too. She was a kid at the time, too. You know, like, especially as kids, you know, were impressionable. I get that her mom was a big influence on her. So I get wanting to forgive her after that first big plot movement. But then she kills Raya. You know, and, uh, <laughs> she does it again. <laughs> she she does it again. Exactly. She like erases all the water from the world. So it's like, oh great, even the survivors now cannot survive because water. You know, they're all going to die in two days after they become dehydrated. Um, and so after that point, I was like, yeah, Raya should probably kill her now. This is you know, you ruin the world once. Maybe we can <laughs> Shame still trust on you. I personally disagree with that, but I get that it's a kids movie. <laughs> But you ruined the world twice. I was like, we should not be telling kids that after that, this is probably still a good girl. And they tried to pull this 
you know, like, forgive my uh, French, I'm sure I've sworn already, but, you know, they, they give us this bullshit about, like, Raya, you're equally responsible for Sisu dying. Like, <laughs> yeah, what they, the they fuck say was those words. And, like, no, Raya didn't bring a crossbow to this unarmed meeting, and Raya didn't pull the trigger and kill the dragon. Like, don't tell kids that for showing up to the same place as someone with a gun, they're responsible for whoever dies there. Like, yeah. that was complete bullshit, and I I really didn't like that but overall well, and then the last part the final moment right where we're gonna we're gonna trust the bad lady and she's gonna prove us right she's gonna fix everything right that final moment wasn't even about trusting her right it was armageddon they're surrounded by drones they're totally trapped they're gonna die so it was sort of like well you know what have we got to lose it wasn't about trust at all they were gonna die anyway so like you know take a chance why not so that that, that frustrated me a bit and it's the only scenario where she has skin in the game. It's like, I mean, she's completely fucked if she doesn't, yeah. re like, rejoin the jewel and save everyone, right? It's like either... So the only time that she comes through is when she has some sort of stake in it. I I don't see that as a big redeeming quality in a person. Yeah, exactly. So I, if you're going to make and, it about trust, this was such a weird way to do it. It, was, it wasn't like a great yeah. demonstration of what trust is supposed to be. Yeah, I feel like a good demonstration of like that. Tr Sorry, I cut you off. I feel like a good demo of that trust in one of the other characters on more of like a micro scale is the guy, and I, I forget what nation he's from, but it's it's the wintry guy. He first meets oh, them. From, he ties him up. Spine. He's yeah. from Spine. Yep. He's. I mean, he's like this big, big tough guy, and he's gonna torture him. And he's, you know, he has intruders, and he's gonna tie them up and do horrible unspeakable things to them and then eventually they learn a little bit about him and he clearly lost his his child and it's like we learn a little bit of complexity about him and we we understand why he's so quick to be upset with intruder you know it's this like now we can trust you because we understand your backstory versus like hank said you destroyed the world twice yeah and you know that was that uh that was tong the big guy and voiced by benedict wong yeah. from uh he was he's one of the wizards in uh in the whole Marvel, the whole Marvel universe, yeah. What are they called? The, a lot of big the wizards? Uh, voice actors. Yeah. Uh, sorcerers. Sorcerers. There you go. Space wizards. Got well, it. Don't don't spoil too much for me, because actually, uh, knowing that the upcoming Doctor Strange series is coming up, I haven't seen any Doctor Strange yet, so I'm oh going God. to watch it because the series sounds cool and creepy. I'm going to watch that. I finally got Disney Plus. Um, well, Benedict so Wong don't spoil is it. a gem yeah. in that in that uh, movie. He's he's great. But oh, yeah, no, it it was actually kind of a little frustrating for me. And the the animation's incredible. The voice acting was super good. Um, I'm really happy Rose got a role, even if it wasn't you know the the deep. I don't even know her real name. What's her real name again? Kelly, Kelly Marie Tran. Yeah, loved her. My cousin. Super sad about all the uh, all the. Wait, no, she's not. She Tran. Not your get out of here. So, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, but like even I felt even bad for her because this, you know, the she's a, a martial arts master from the moment we meet her and she's like six. That whole, you know, the main not the main struggle, but one of the big struggles of her life, the missing six years. We totally gloss over her going from being princess uh, to losing her father, her land, everything, and somehow surviving out in the desert wastes with the drones everywhere. And we didn't get to see any of that. It would have been cool if she didn't have any skills and we saw her even a, a montage or something to like show how she got these skills would have been cool. Um, but my biggest, my single biggest plot complaint were the drones. 
we we are never told why they're there other than they they come when people disagree that was it that, that these monsters are going to come which by the way is a terrible message to give to kids that if you don't agree these evil monsters are going to come and turn everybody to stone like that's that's a pre- that's, that's a pretty lazy uh way to raise kids but um says me who doesn't yeah. have kids but i was just so frustrated <laughs> that the main the the you know the proximate bad guy the uh the princess from fang is not that great of a character right like we, we don't really ever see what she wants they keep saying she wants to help people but that does not appear to be the case it appears her and her mom just want to be in charge um but then like the real big bad guys the drones we never learn anything about them no one ever gives us explanation for why they're there what they are if they're sentient what they want none of that we just they're just there to be a scary thing yeah the drone were weird for me because like keegan said earlier masterfully animated yep. you know probably not by hand is probably some sort of like simulation type thing so like maybe maybe like animated isn't the right thing but masterfully created um you know they looked great they were menacing you know like when they popped up i was like oh shit i don't want that thing near me you know like they they, they conveyed all of that so well and the movie just told us nothing about them and it used them like like two times it used them for like the the kind of intro climactic scene where they popped up for the first time in however many hundred years and they used them like at the end but for the most part like they only really popped up those two places and the rest of the movie was this conflict between raya and the rival princess that they pretty much negated by for some reason giving the rival princess like a get out of guilt jail free card um so I was like, I, I could get, you know, like using the drone as a backdrop if you had this really compelling central like conflict between your primary protagonist your, and your antagonist. But they really didn't like the, the, the whole center of the movie was kind of bringing the protagonist together with the antagonist and having them trust each other without there really being any conflict except for like one kind of fight where they're both kind of like pulling punches. Um, so yeah. the drone just seemed like you know, if you're going to have the antagonist not be that bad, at least have, like, the secondary antagonist in the form of the drone be something really scary and not just something that, like, appears when they need to be drawn close together. You know, like, make me believe this is actually a problem in the world, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't so, think anyway, kids movies need yeah. things dumped down like that, you know? Yeah, th- that's... Yeah. No, go ahead. I, I was going to say, that's the thing. Like, I, I felt like... The movie kind of tried to dumb down some of these conflicts in a way to make them more understandable to kids. But I'm like, I think that kids can understand there being, you know, in the drones case, like an environmental difficulty. You know, the drones, like I call them environmental. Obviously, they're creatures. It's not really like an environmental thing. But if you think about it, like it's the same thing as saying like the air is poisonous. You can't go outside. The drone are anywhere where there's not water to block them. So, you know, you can't go certain places. It's it's essentially an environmental hazard. I think kids can get that. They know you're not supposed to walk on lava. They know you're not supposed to walk out into the ocean. They get it. And I also think that kids can get, you know, like, sometimes someone does something really bad, and then maybe they shouldn't be your friend anymore. You don't need to make it, like, as harsh as that. But I felt like the movie was just, like, a little bit too apologetic about all of the bad things that happened in a way that it didn't need to be for the child audience. You know, I I felt like they didn't need to take it down to that level 
even for a younger audience, in my opinion. Like we could skip forward ten years. They're both the new queens. They work together in some kind of, you know, we run Kumandra together as like from a distance we can work together, but we're not, you know, we don't need to have this big group hug scene where I get it, we're best yeah, friends. You know, I think it's a, it's a little on the nose. Well, and there's another yeah. thing too about that whole thing, like we're best friends. Like at the end of the movie, Raya's like, Oh, I just I know just the thing to get to her. And I was like, bitch, no, you don't. You haven't <laughs> talked to her for eight years. You talked to her for like 30 minutes back then. You know, like you met up for like an afternoon yeah. and then showed her to the place where she betrayed the entire world. You don't know her. You know 30 minutes of her eight years ago. When she I was, was so kid. confused by that implication that Raya yeah. like had some deep connection to her. I was like, maybe you had similar upbringings, but you don't even know that. She was the only person you ever met from fang and you met her for an afternoon like and they i mean their friendship is predicated on like a 30 minute encounter they have where they're basically just fangirling over like uh, like this like dragon merch it's just like this cheesy necklace that she has and they just like oh it's like a it's like a band they talk about you know i i didn't see this as this deep meaningful friendship and they they had it so set up because the mom was there right the the queen of fang was there and she and they even had a scene where i was like okay this is how they're gonna do it right where the older princess she goes and she's you know talking about well maybe we should help her like you know they're they're she's kind of uh saying some things that maybe she's sounding trustworthy to us the audience and they could have used her mom to drive that wedge to like really make the bad stuff the mom's fault that way we don't have to forgive the mom but but nope mom's like oh come on don't you want to be in charge of this giant palace that's on an island that somehow is able to feed thousands of people somehow with no grain anywhere They have really good soup. It's like, <laughs> really nice chili peppers. What, what did you guys think of the contemporary language? That was something I wanted to bring up. It was right in the beginning. They literally say fangirl. So, like, we're using yeah. real modern language. Oh, my God. I, I'm actually kind of surprised you brought that up because it really stuck out to me. Um, and I, I think at first it was really off-putting to me, but as I grew more used to it, I was actually okay with it. Um, so, for a little bit of background for the viewership, I'm... Uh, I, like I'm a little bit of a linguistics nerd, you know. I like to see things like recreated in like period accurate languages or period ac- accurate dialects, um, you know. For all his faults, you know, like Mel Gibson's done some of that that work in like uh, Apocalypto and Passion of the Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be clear, not not a big endorsement of Mel Gibson. Like he's he's kind of a piece <laughs> of shit. But you know, like I'm, I'm into that sort of thing. I'm into like some period accurate pieces dialogues. of shit or. That's. I mean, the witch is like a perfect example. Yeah, the witch is a great of that kind of. Yeah, yeah, the witch has like this period accurate, like Puritan dialogue, and I'm really into that. And so this movie coming in, I wasn't expecting like period accurate, like Southeast Asian dialogue. Like obviously, it's being made for a largely English speaking audience. Um, it's also being made for children who, like, even if they speak English, might not speak it as well as an adult English speaker. Um, but. At the same time, seeing something that is, you know, ostensibly set in, like, far in the past, admittedly in a fantastical world, but, you know, like, in a fantastical world that's kind of modeled off of Southeast Asia far in, far in the past, I'd expected to see something a little bit more 
faithful to the 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 dialogue of the period you know maybe including like some like honorific type stuff when referring to people that are like higher ranking than you in like the social hierarchy etc as well as you know like fangirl like that's something taylor called out specifically that's a very modern thing i really wasn't expecting that to come up so at first it kind of bothered me but i got over it because like that really wasn't what the movie was about. The movie wasn't really about like the cultures being portrayed. The movie was about the central ideas, which I also don't really think they conveyed all that well, as we've covered already. Um, but I got over the dialogue piece, the, 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 the modern dialogue piece. And by the end, I actually thought it was one of the stronger parts of the movie because I didn't think the story was all that strong. As we've talked about, you know, I think that it, conveys some kind of conflicting messages in ways that I don't think are all that healthy but the dialogue at least was relatable and kind of funny um so overall like the modern dialogue at first was really off-putting to me but as the story kind of went downhill the dialogue kind of went uphill for me you know like it it, it was kind of funny it made it really easy to follow what was going on they made some jokes like at one point they even said something like like axehole or something like they made kind of like a <laughs> like a, a joke like about a swear that really only would have worked with like a really modern kind of dialect and so because of that i kind of appreciate it because the story i wasn't able to buy into but the dialogue it was easy to follow it was mildly amusing and at times they made kind of like standout jokes that relied on the modern words and that worked for me so overall didn't buy it at first but as the movie went on i was like i get why they did this yeah no i i really did not mind it that much either i think like anytime you have aquafina in a movie i feel like any kind of suspension of disbelief i mean it's just like like she doesn't really play roles it's kind of like kevin hart right like that's just aquafina on screen versus you know like you just you're such a strong character actor that it's you're not going to believe that you're really in ancient Vietnam or anything. Um, and I mean, we did get a little bit of the honorific. She calls her dad Ba, yeah. like the route, which is, I mean, that's Vietnamese for dad. Um, but I guess like one thing I was curious about to just kind of like take off of that, that I was thinking throughout the movie is like, do you guys wish that the movie was in any way tethered to real Southeast Asian countries? Or do you think making it in kind of a fantastical side kind of uh, like you know it's it's all very tied there's some countries that are like more thai influenced or that look more vietnamese influenced um do you think that detracted at all i personally would have preferred that it was a bit more tied to southeast asian countries um because mm -hmm. i honestly don't know that much about them you know I'm, I'm not afraid to admit it you know i don't know that much about southeast asian culture or history but i'm interested you know especially for like a mythological representation um you know, like as a kid, I read a lot of like Greek mythology. As an adult, I've read a bit of Norse mythology, a little bit of Japanese mythology. I'm really interested in that sort of a kind of a cultural touch point for these places. You know, like I don't pretend that I am like well versed in any of these places' cultures, but I at least know a little bit about their history. I know about their mythology. I know how they tie together. And that's really interesting for me. And going in, I would have loved if this movie provided a little bit of that for me, you know, like if it said like this is ancient Thailand or this is, you know, like the, the Philippines or something like that. And they presented a bit of like that real mythology in a way that I could kind of like connect it to the real world. Like, obviously, I wouldn't have taken it as, you know, like uh, 
like a history text i wouldn't have taken it as like sure. truly representative of what was happening there or what they believe but i would have found it interesting and i feel like it would have been like a really valuable use of the source material to uh you know kind of say like here's kind of an underknown piece of world history or world culture like here's a little bit about it you know like it's not necessarily going yeah. to like serve you in any concrete way later in your life but they have some really cool stories they have some really cool ideas here they are for you i would have really liked that and that didn't really yeah. happen they kind of took the flavor and they fit it to a, a fairly standard you know like western disney formula and and you know it, it's palatable it's not offensive to me but at the same time i'm like it's not really about the aesthetic you know these people i'm sure like like i said i don't know much about them but i'm sure they have some interesting stories in their cultural milieu and i'm sure that they have some interesting ideas that are like a little bit foreign to like a western audience and i would have liked to see them portrayed because i think that that would have been you know like it might not have served me in my day-to-day -day life but at least would have kind of like expanded you know kind of like how i think about the world you know i would have thought like you know like oh the thai people believe in this or like they did believe yeah. in this at some point and i didn't really get that instead i just got like essentially a, a, a western story with some eastern dragons in it and that's fine but i, yeah. I, I was hoping for a bit more yeah i i, I... fair enough I could have been real happy if they had gone. That was kind of why I brought up the the language because I, I would have been happy if they had gone full fantasy. And when they're doing that, you can really play around to do all kinds of different things with language. It can be really really interesting. A lot of shows or you know uh, media um, uh, 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 properties have done that from like Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, right? Those have made extensive use of language in a really interesting way. And they didn't need to do all of that. It's like, you know, they didn't need to invent languages. It's a kid's movie. But they made the choice clearly to use very modern language. And it kind of, I, I agree with you, Hank, that it did kind of work for me towards the end. Um, but in the beginning, that's for, especially that first conversation between the two young princesses, I was like, this is a very weird scene that they're they're speaking in very, very modern English and everything is set in this vaguely Southeast Asian thing. So I, I would have I would have liked if they had done just full fantasy or what you guys are talking about with like more references to, to cultural things. And I think that would have I think either one of them would have been really cool. I didn't I didn't mind this approach that much, but I did think it was interesting that they mm -hmm. made such a conscious choice to I mean, literally, like we said the word fangirl is in the first 15 minutes, which is pretty weird when there's people swinging actual swords at people, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely agree that it's like setting it in real Asian American country or Asian <laughs> Asian countries would have been like Southeast Asian specifically would have been really nice to have, but I don't hold it against the movie for not um, like I, I made this comparison earlier, but Avatar, The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra, these are shows that are like, you know, they're set in the Fire Nation or these places that are like very clearly based off you know, China, Japan, Korea, like the, the more Eastern Asian countries. And they are like kind of a love letter. You could tell they really did their background, like research on it. And similarly here, right, you have, you know, a lot of Asian American people, yeah, a lot of Asian American creators that contributed like in the digital side and in the story writing. And then also, but you know, the majority of the cast is also Asian as well. So I think they were pretty, you know, incredibly respectful of those things. But I also 
think it would have been nice to add a little bit of that legitimate color. But I, I do also agree that it's kind of tough, right? Because you really, really have to make Fang out to be the bad guys. And like, who are you going to pick? Is it going to be Filipinos? <laughs> Is it going to be Malaysians? You know, who's who's the ones we don't like? It's the yeah, Droons. I, it's the Droons. You know, we don't know who they are. We hate them. Yeah, They're aliens, fair. whatever. <laughs> I, I kind of want to push on that a little bit, um, though. And kind of what I feel here is that like you gotta make Fang the bad guys but you know there are plenty of internal conflicts that have happened throughout the world's history whether you're in Europe or America Southeast Asia China etc and like there's no reason that you know the, the the countries couldn't have been you know cultural groups within the say the Philippines and you know like the fang was just one of those cultural groups like it wouldn't have been making out all of the filipinos to be to be bad and it wouldn't have really been making out like a modern group of filipino people to be bad it would have just been kind of like retelling a a, a story from from say filipino history in it to a modern audience and i think they still could have probably taken a lot of the themes they tried to work into the movie and you know worked it into that you know i think that uh you know, there are a lot of, uh, again, I don't know that much about Filipino history. Maybe they've had a history where it really does pay off to, you know, really trust everyone and no one's ever done anything bad. But I, probably I'm pretty not. sure that's not the case. <laughs> and they probably have a history where, like, some people have betrayed trust on an occasion or two. And they could have told one yeah. of those stories and it would have been equally powerful and they could have portrayed real world cultures and real world beliefs. And it would have been really interesting to the viewer, regardless of age. Um, so yeah. they didn't do that. And I don't really fault them for not doing that. I get why they didn't do it. But as a viewer, I would have loved if they did. Yeah. One thing I will say is I, I think that like, I, and I guess I, I agree. I don't know that much about like within Southeast Asia, but being from that community, a lot of the kind of contempt that you hear within you know, the Asian community is mostly towards, you know, historical events that happened with the Chinese or historical events that happened with the Japanese and some pretty horrific things that had happened between countries. And, uh, you know, Disney's a pretty, a pretty image cautious, uh, company, right? I think they, they understand that they make a lot of money showing movies in mainland China and in Japan as well. So I think it's probably a little safer to shy away from those real life conflicts, uh, if anything, yeah, I didn't. I so. didn't have a problem with that, and I, you know, I. It just, it just seemed like they're already doing. Which I don't know why this is considered, you know, not contentious, but they're already doing a lot of new things with this movie. In that they're having a cast and a production crew that uh, mirrors the vague ethnic background where where the movie's set, um, and so I can see why they wouldn't want to add more risk there. But that doesn't mean that they couldn't have some of these plot holes. Um, I mean, they're black holes, right? The drones are literally like no information <laughs> provided. Even the dragon is like, oh, and people don't like each other. The, a drone is born. I don't know. Like it, just that level of vagueness. Um, I think they could have cleaned a lot yeah. of that up um, seemingly pretty easily and, and made it uh, may, taken away most of my criticism of the film, which is just these plot things that I don't like we were talking in the beginning. I think the most egregious is that first exposition where we're just jumping hundreds of years in time and there's a jewel, then it gets broken, but then it's back together. You know, it's just all over the place with some of the key objects of this universe. And it's kind of like, why, why did we need, why did we need these things? How did that contribute to the story in the way that wasn't just to confuse kids? Um, but 
I, we're, yeah. So we're getting we're getting towards uh, I think the end here. Are we ready to do our um, are we ready to do our uh, our ratings? I have some rapid fire final Go. thoughts. If anyone else does, okay, boom. Uh, really like the supporting cast. I like the baby and the monkeys. Super, super funny. I like the little boy that makes shrimp and he makes kanji, which is uh, a real dish that I had last week. Really, really common in a lot of Asian countries. It's pretty much just rice porridge. I really, really thought that the way that the dragons fly was super creative. I think we see a lot of like just like animation where they just slither through the air and it kind of just looks like they're a sea snake in the air. But the idea of like running on these little magical pads was really, really cool. When you have a budget this big and so like, you know, the best 3D creative minds in the business, you know, Disney's going to be able to, to actualize that better than anyone else. So, uh, so just some, some last minute thoughts I wanted to sprinkle in. Yeah. I, I have a couple more, um, so first of all, the technology in this movie, again, haven't been watching a lot of Disney movies in the recent past. The technology in this movie clearly is at a point we've never been before. The hair looks amazing. The water looks amazing. The way clothes move look amazing. You know, the visual presentation in the movie, fantastic. The visual direction even, fantastic. Yeah. Though I don't agree with all the plot movements, I think that mm. in terms of what you are looking at with your eyes hard to fault any of it yeah all looked great um and even though i did have some too yeah the score was good um you know your ears are like what they hear either it's really your brain that might find issues (laughs) even then you know like i I, i'm a horror fan i've seen a lot of really shitty horror movies and i'm willing to turn my brain off for a movie and like if you don't think about the plot too deeply and like i hate to say that about a movie that i think you know like like is trying to send like a good message but you know i think that the the plot movements kind of fail this movie in that department so if you're willing to turn your brain off it's a great watch it's great to look at it's great to listen to it's entertaining they have some action they have you know some feelings i'm sure keegan started crying at some point um i did my eyes welled up quite a few times yeah yo (laughs) i cried when the dragons came back i cried because yes. because my yeah. eyes were like it's so beautiful finally finally we get to we get to see something that brings out some emotion in us <laughs> yeah but exactly you know like even though i have some major gripes with the plotting of the movie i don't want to let that be you know uh, a, a total discounting of the film so overall you know it's a good movie it's a good movie <laughs> yeah yeah i, I think writing? i'm right i think i'm right there oh. with you guys yeah so i guess with that i I went on for a while so i'll get my rating right here really quick i think i would give this movie like like six water dragon steps in the air out of nine Mm. keegan nice uh if i had to give this a rating i would give it seven hundred and fifty thousand individually animated hairs out of a million (laughs) (laughs) i would give it eight out of ten bronies who were going to buy plushies of uh the dragon that was just it was immediately oh, that makes the demographic sad. they were going for with that i get it okay so That's are you the get... money's at <laughs> well they buy a million copies of every one so all right are we That's ready why these plushies are two hundred dollars at this point <laughs> are you guys ready for next week ready god, to hear I... oh my god i have been in just doubled over in anticipation this yeah, week. i've been so hyping this up 
Go ahead, Hank. Yeah. So for the viewership, there are two things that have been just completely keeping me in anticipation over the past week. One is what Taylor's movie is going to be for Taylor Week. And two is what Taylor got me for my birthday. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, okay, yeah. well, this is going to be a banger. It's in the exact, it's, oh a, it's another, uh, well, it's, it's totally an opposite movie from what we just watched. So if, you know, if you're listening and you weren't about the kids movie, don't worry. We got you covered because Q Ravehorn, next movie we're watching next week, Magic Mike XXL. Oh my, yeah. Oh man, I have been <sighs> looking for some swanging junk in my movies. So, uh, <laughs> and don't worry. You don't need to have seen the first Magic Mike for this to make sense. And keep a lookout when you watch it for some amazing cameos. They they, they make their move quick, but keep an eye out for them. Are you an extra in this movie? <laughs> I I haven't that... I haven't told you guys this, but I am Channing Tatum. I don't I don't have a video <laughs> camera, so they can't see me. But they this, can hear you though, this Taylor. whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll maybe we'll get some more listeners to find out Channing Tatum's hosting a uh, a, a movie review podcast where he recommends his own movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he waited until the ninth episode. <laughs> it was a I slow have to burn. say though, I have to say though, um, all jokes aside, I actually am kind of excited to watch Magic Mike XXL. Uh, um, I haven't seen the first one myself, but you know, like I I, I, I like to see dancing. You know, especially dancing mostly in the nude, which I imagine this movie is going to be. Um, and I've, I've seen like a couple of YouTube clips of the dance numbers, so I'm sure it's great. Um, I know the first one was at least semi-biographical about Channing Tatum himself. I don't know if this one is, but I'd be kind of curious to see if it is because I don't know of anyone that's ever gotten two biographical pictures about them. So about their life cool. as a stripper? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I'm I'm intrigued. Plus, you know, like it's it's Channing Tatum and company. Like they're all very attractive. Like I'm not going to be like turning away from the screen the whole time, right? Well, and I think Magic Mike XXL is actually better because in Magic Mike you had a lot of shirtless Matthew McConaughey and it was too much. It was not then I don't I don't even think he's in Magic Mike XXL. So don't worry this like weird dad that's too tan and too in shape is not going to constantly making appearances in leather vests and cowboy hats. That doesn't happen. That's the original. So You're making it increasingly less interesting to me the more you say No, that's that uh, no, no that, that's regular Magic Mike. This is XXL baby. Come on. It's you're going to love no, it. But I want that. I I uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> So we've learned that uh, Keegan's into the daddies, but uh, we'll deal with that next week. I think just just Matthew McConaughey in particular. <laughs> it's Matthew McConaughey and Daniel Day Kim. Those are my all passes. <laughs> uh, We're going to have Kara on next week to tell us if that's true. If those are the two hall passes that Keegan Tran has in their relationship. It's got framed <laughs> photos of both of them. In my wallet. Whew, okay. All right. All right. Well, I know you guys are going to want to text me with your thoughts, but keep it keep it together because our audience needs to hear your thoughts on Magic Mike XXL. I guess one last thing before you wrap up for the week and you know let our let our audience go on to their regular lives is uh someone please email us a question 
Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's, it's so dry. It's, it's rotatingreels <laughs> at gmail.com. We've got this inbox. It's empty. There, uh, we, I, I it's will say we have, three spam e- we have three spam emails um, telling us about like opportunities to donate money uh to you know some sort of scammer cause um but but we don't want to do that we want to answer your questions about the films or our lives or something you know we just want to answer your questions someone email us if you've listened this far we'll answer whatever question you have i promise you like as long as it is not hank's social security number like we'll answer the other two (laughs) social securities (laughs) send us an email send us a question we'll get back to you and we know there are hundreds of you listening so it can't be that we've answered all your maybe that's it maybe we're just so good at podcasting they don't have any questions we cover everything they were wondering all bases and that is rotating reels podcast at gmail.com people (laughs) not rotating reels oh wait another another correction before we go the ray and the last air dragon was not by pixar it was by walter uh walt disney animation studios walter (laughs) walter (laughs) disney (laughs) so not a not a pixar movie our our apologies oh we totally fucked that up man we should just take yeah we figured it out (laughs) <laughs> but anyway thank you so much to everyone for watching this far um you know we really appreciate it and uh this is hank showalter at rotating reels signing off keegan we're staying i guess yeah i don't i don't have a cool outro <laughs> i think we're stuck here till next week